0: This episode of AHLA Speaking of Health Law is brought to you by AHLA members and donors like you. For more information, visit AmericanHealthLaw.org. Hey, welcome to AHLA Speaking of Health Law podcast. I'm Allie Dalton, and I'm an attorney at Bradley focusing primarily on healthcare transactions This episode is brought to you by the Early Career Professionals Council, ECPC, which is maybe my favorite acronym in the healthcare world. Um, Our goal for these episodes is to showcase the breadth of career paths of AHLA's members and encourage those folks who are just starting their careers in health law about all the different options and possibilities that they have in this space. And I'm particularly excited to welcome our guest today, Lee Nutini, who is Senior Counsel at Rowe actually had the privilege of going to law school with Lee and his wife. And so I'm really excited to hear um, yeah. his story, for him to share his story with y'all. And without further ado, Lee, welcome to the podcast.
1: I'm so glad to be here. Thank you so much for the invite. Um, this is a great crew. Um, again, thrilled to be here. Uh, my name is Lee. I'm a senior counsel at Rowe. Rowe, just a little bit about them. It's a direct-to-patient healthcare company, telehealth company, works in all 50 states, um, and I help advise them on clinical operations and healthcare regulatory work.
0: Very cool. I am really excited for you to share with folks how you got to your current role. Uh, this is not where you started your career, and That's I know better. folks are always eager to <laughs> to figure out how to get cool jobs like yours, so please tell us all the secrets.
1: It is a cool job, I will say that. A little plug for Roe, it's a great job. Um, I took a lot of risks, honestly. Um, I graduated, I think, Listeners, let's zoom out. Listeners are like, when does this guy graduate? Like, well, yes, what? He... <laughs> like, what's going on? Right. So, um, you know, I'm still an early career professional. Um, absolutely, consider myself still on the learning track. Um, I've been a lawyer since 2015, and I've gotten where I am now by taking a lot of risks. Um, I was willing to move around and and take jobs that really made me lean into different types of healthcare law, and I'll go into that in a second. Um, but I really wanted to, to emphasize that it's okay to have to pick up and move. It's okay to have to sort of go and learn something different and really change, not change careers, but really change uh, job functions. So when I was finishing law school, um, I was very fortunate to have a clerkship, but it was outside the state of Tennessee, the, the, my home state, and also the state where we went to law school. Um and I was willing to go jump and go and go do that because it was worth it was worth the risk of picking up my life and moving it somewhere else for the opportunity and for the learning opportunity, I should say. Um, and, and while I was there, I actually, frankly, I said I'm still committed to healthcare law. I didn't have a lot of that training back in law school because at that time, UT law didn't have a lot of um yes. and I'm sure you remember this right
0: what once so, we left they started the program yeah, it, So
1: <laughs> they're doing great now at it but back then awesome. we, we didn't really have it so definitely uh, was being was being self-taught so coming from that I was thinking how do I pivot into healthcare law I've always been interested in it how do I really get in that spot and I realized I'm going to start cold calling some firms seriously so I'm, at, I'm a judicial clerk I'm, I'm up in Kentucky actually and I start cold contacting firms Luckily, some people were picking up the phone at that time. Was able to get some interviews, um, and then came came in and joined a boutique healthcare litigation firm in Nashville, um, and so joined them after my clerkship. And that was, and I love that because it was provider focused. Um, it was it, it was in the courtroom deposition experience, wow. um, very very dynamic from from day one, and I did a lot of medical malpractice defense, um, and it really. It really taught me how to be a good writer, how to be a good speaker, um, and really interested provider operations. And so I was right off the bat learning like what what sort of like the the boots on the ground healthcare healthcare um, operations were and what laws affect them. Um, From there, as I was sort of getting more in the groove of being a a sort of a professional liability um, lawyer, I thought, you know, there's way more out there in terms of healthcare. Healthcare law is huge, it's massive. I took another risk and decided to go to King and Spalding and I joined their, their headquarters down in Atlanta to do false claims act litigation and managed care litigation, which was completely new to me. Yeah. So, uh, but I, I really, I wanted to take the provider operations and sort of the provider's concerns and move that into, you know, more complex litigation. that really is not just about professional liability, but about mm-hmm. like our whole health system and our whole provider practice. And so yeah. moved and jumped to King and Spalding and did that for a while um and then a little thing called the pandemic happened and i realized that you know a lot of my provider clients are were not necessarily looking towards the future and i really wanted to, to really assist an innovative program going forward and um was able to get in kind of contact with some folks at roe my current my current spot and um they needed some healthcare regulatory counsel and i pivoted from litigation to regulatory uh, yeah with, Which is a big
0: shift. Yeah, there's an overlap there. But how is that? So along the way, how did you, how did you learn how to do that? Like, how did you, you know, go from med mal defense to now regulatory? And like, what would you say to people who I mean, you know, you said you've taken risks, which I think is kind of the core of your story. But like, what would you say to a student who's like, I have no idea how I'm going to pivot this opportunity that I have immediately out of law school into doing something like what you're doing at Roe?
1: You've, you, so you do need to be ready to move. I, if you notice, I've moved. I moved from, yes. <laughs> I moved from Kentucky, Tennessee to Kentucky, and then back to Tennessee, and then to Atlanta. Now I'm, I'm in Chicago. Now, by the way, um, and so that's that's part of the risk taking. Is that if the if the the piece fits for you, don't worry so much about where you are. That changes now, I guess, because you can do so much remotely. But right. um, I think I've you want to find this the small thread in the work that you're doing that is. Relatable and transferable. Um, and, and this won't come as any surprise, but you want to find the things that can be important in the next role that you're interested in. Mm-hmm. So for me, it was provider operations were true, which, whether it was professional liability issues or you're talking about like a false claim to that case in defense of an operation there. The pro- here, Here's what the providers are concerned about on the, on the ground level and the health systems are concerned about on the ground level. And I was able to translate that and speak their language, right? And then jumping to row. Yes, I'm a litigator and I'm, I handle disputes, but mm-hmm. I also know a lot about how the day-to-day, you know, seven-to-seven seven shifts and how the providers work together and they yeah. collaborate and all that. And that that goes right into licensing, scope of practice, um, you know, collaboration, supervisory rules, things like that that are nuts and bolts uh, regulatory healthcare regulatory issues. And so, um, and you know, telehealth is exploding. So I was able to right. that. I had no background in in that um, that world, but um, you know, diving in, being ready to learn a lot, read a lot, um, has helped me make the transition from uh, pure, you know, pure litigator to healthcare reg.
0: Yeah, I love that. And it's so valuable for you to have that background experience. I feel like it makes you an even better uh, attorney for the role that you're in. So, what does a typical day in your job look like? I feel like it can be hard to envision what people do either at firms or in house. Um, what does it look like when yeah. you wake up and what do you do?
1: <laughs> I love this, I love this question so much. It's a great question because I asked this question during probably every interview I ever yes, had. Yes. It's you know, such what?
0: a valuable question.
1: <laughs> no one answers it. No one actually answers it. They're like, well, well, maybe I call somebody. I literally explain, it right? It depends. I will... I am transparent. Explain. I will, I will <laughs> tell you what it is. Okay. So being, so I'm at a health tech company, Rose, a direct-to-patient telehealth company. We are absolutely a tech company in the sense that we build our own EMR. Uh, we we constantly iterate on our platform. So, but we also, of course, are doing care delivery. So I'm right. a healthcare lawyer in-house. I am constantly pulled between the short-term urgencies and the Mm -hmm. long-term sort of building, right? So
0: yeah,
1: hustling between that. It's not just like at a a law firm when you get a a project in, maybe you ask for the deadline, but all those things are things you can tinker. Many of them are things you can tinker on for some amount of time.
0: Oh, absolutely. Uh,
1: Sometimes here, it's like, we got to know today, like right now, like this hour, what we're going to do next. And so here's what my day looks like. Starts on Slack. So we definitely communicate via Slack at Row. Slack,
0: because, yes. <laughs> for those you who don't
1: know, it is like very fast paced messaging, very informal, um, very good for collaboration and quick collaboration. Um, it definitely, my days definitely starts on there because what I'm doing is I'm checking and seeing, okay, who needs my attention right now? Like mm. today, maybe an hour ago even, maybe I missed you, right? So I gotta, I log in, started on Slack, handle any urgent matters that are occurring. And I'm just at that point, pumping down the list of what are the important to do's and are they getting squashed? Are they getting pushed down Mm. the list of priority based on urgencies that have come in, right? Because by the time I've slept and come back, you know, we've had patients (laughs) being treated overnight. I mean, we have patients
0: 3
1: a.m. So um, I really am starting with those short-term urgencies and then we can move to say, well, in terms of our meetings today, what can we actually tackle in our long-term priorities, or what do we need to ha- tackle urgently? So I'm starting on Slack and then switching to email, and switching to okay. we use Google for everything. Switching to Google for my my meetings. Um, we are very, we're my my teammates are all across the country in different time oh, zones. Wow. But so Slack is very important. But I will say we actually have a lot of meetings. I know when I was with with law firms before. I sometimes crave meetings. I thought, gosh, it would be so great. To <laughs> yeah. day. Now I'm I'm in meetings from you know like, nine. Please PM.
0: leave me alone. <laughs> yeah,
1: it's like nine a.m. to five p.m. Right, like those. I mean, like yeah. live, live, you know, meetings hashing things out because mm-hmm. so much so much advice has to be given quickly. So we're yeah. you're really thinking on your feet and you're sort of using your judgment in the moment um, rather than you know taking time to write a memo. So. My day does not include memo writing, really. It's <laughs> a lot of like live hashing out of problems, yeah. Handling those short-term urgencies uh, via Slack very furiously.
0: Mm, yes. Um. How do you feel like that's been a big shift for you going from like a litigator? Like, how have you harnessed the skills of like being a really strong writer into giving someone legal advice on Slack?
1: <laughs> <laughs> so right, the the writing skills in some sense go away because you're doing it so informally. Um, so it was a big shift going from, you know, King and Spalding litigation to row regulatory work. But to me, it's all about communication. So my goal is if I'm writing something, mm-hmm. I, I'm taking time to sort of distill it and put the right words on the page. I'm still sort of doing that in person. I'm going to say, okay, how how far do I need to zoom out for this person? Or what sort of teaching do I need to do? And I think you're doing the same mm-hmm. thing you're writing um, so I think taking those communication skills and moving them into the in-person chats or moving them into informal messages, um, I think bring you can bring a level of practicality um, to the to the communication still.
0: Yeah, I love that, and that's very good advice. Okay, so if you were to chat with Lee one L year um, starting off or even pre-law school, Lee, um, what is something you wish he had known um, before you know he knew what his career would look like?
1: That's a, a really really good question i would probably emphasize i wouldn't so let's say what i wouldn't say i wouldn't say okay. more of the com- more of the common things about oh well maybe you shouldn't study too much because you should go network like that will be really important
0: yeah. right? or, or, <laughs>
1: but then the, the people who network too much he's like you should have studied more like, you should no. study more <laughs> so it's, either, it's neither of those things for me it was it would be a reminder i'll go back to old lee or I guess youngerly and youngerly. (laughs) And you can say you need to remember the value of time. Mm. So if you want to get in this niche area, like healthcare law, yeah, you need to understand right now you have way more time than you will in the future when Mm. you're a professional. I mean, I think that's always true for a student.
0: So true. Realize
1: you have so much more time when you're a student. Soak it up. (laughs) Write that down, students who are listening. You have way more time now. I swear to you, you have way more time now than you think you do. So I would go back honestly and do something a little bit nerdy and say. Lee, you've got several extra hours in this day. Please dive into the healthcare law that that you wanna learn about and you care about. Please go, whether it's like checking out stuff on, you know, Wikipedia or doing some classes on Khan Academy or whatever, like go learn more about healthcare in America and that will help you get to where you wanna go and you have the time now to do it. So I would, again, bring that reminder and say, time is everything. You've got more of it now than you will when you're a professional.
0: Yeah, that's a really good one because I do feel like that's one where, especially with us who did not have a healthcare background going into healthcare the learning curve is already so steep when you become a young lawyer and then you add on top this like highly regulated industry, um, that has so many different rabbit holes. It can be really daunting, um, Mm -hmm. which I think maybe might be a good way to kind of wrap up and kind of, uh, make a pitch for students and young career professionals or early career professionals rather to get involved in HLA. I know that you have, uh, been a very active member and you you spoke at a conference recently. You were one of the panelists. So I would love to know how you think that folks can harness the power of AHLA into making their paths a little easier than maybe ours were, <laughs> learning yeah. healthcare law.
1: Yeah, I, well, I think one of the in terms of nuts and bolts, I think the the the, the podcasts and the webinars that are put on and the CLEs are great from AHL, like really impactful. Um, you definitely are hearing from experts. Those are great to listen to. But in terms of getting involved, um, I think submitting speaking proposals and sort of getting your name out there, you know, it takes a few times to put your name into a hat, but it gets pulled and you'll get to go in front of an audience and speak about something and i was able to do that at the recent fundamentals conference for example and i think there's really a, it's really great to go to those things in person and, and interact because i think you will end up at a dinner table or grabbing a coffee or a drink with someone who again is very is a, is a, is a partner in a firm you want to go to or is the you know the, the the lead regulatory lawyer at a company you're interested in i do think i mean it's this is, this is sort of old advice but it is true advice that the networking at those events is is amazing and I'll tell you, once you go from your first job to your second job, definitely continue to get together with those people at your former job, because I think mm. amazing what, what we've been able to unlock with former um, former colleagues in terms of, let's put together this paper to, to publish, or let's put together this conference. Yeah. Proposal. Um, and I think that it's it's almost easier to do it when you're out of the game with those people to say, listen, we both have, we've taken, taken divergent paths, but we can both work together now and bring different perspectives to some work that we used to do, um, and you have that trust because you've worked together. So I think that's a way to my initial my initial advice to folks will be definitely dive in always volunteer for things with the HLA mm-hmm. um, to get involved. Um, write You know, write for the magazine. Um, and then beyond that, as you get a little bit more in your career, two or three years, I would say definitely look back and scoop up those co- those former colleagues and um, and try to present with them.
0: Yeah. That's great advice. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story and for spending some of your valuable non-meeting time with us today. Of yeah, of course, of course. Um, if folks want to follow what you're up to, is LinkedIn the best place to, to connect with you?
1: LinkedIn is perfect. It's perfect. And you can also email me at lee, lee at roe.co. I'm available all day.
0: Thanks for your generosity of giving that out. Um, well, thanks so much again, Lee. It's great to see you and it's great to hear your story.
1: Thank you so much for having me. It's been fun. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe to AHLA Speaking of Health Law wherever you get your podcasts. To learn more about AHLA and the educational resources available to the health law community, visit AmericanHealthLaw.org.